Can you say good physics day, everyone? Good physics day, everyone. Good physics day, everyone. Say happy new year. Happy new year. Yay! Happy new year. Happy new year. Welcome to 2021 and a new year of physics alive. I'm Brad Moser, and I want to help fellow educators spark new life into the physics classroom. We'll start this year by talking teaching resolutions. Then, in future episodes, I'll draw inspiration from the teachers, researchers, students, and professionals who explore innovative learning, motivate new curricula, apply physics in their careers, and encourage an inclusive and healthy classroom environment. physics day everyone and happy new year welcome to 2021 that was my two and a half year old son who gave you a little welcome introduction at the beginning of this episode i know that a lot can be said of the year 2020 and i'm sure there's a lot of people saying it we all had a challenging year certainly in 2020 and i think it's time to to look forward to make some resolutions and to think about all that is in front of us I want to spend this episode on two different items. First, I want to talk about resolutions because the new year is a great time to talk about resolutions. And I also want to talk about podcasts, but not mine. I want to talk about some other podcasts that are out there. So starting with resolutions, seems to be an age-old tradition to come into the new year reflecting on things that had happened in the previous year and thinking, what would I like to do in this new year? What do I resolve to do that can bring positive change to my life? And in this case, I'm also thinking about what might bring positive change to our students' lives while also bringing positive change to our lives. So I'll start with a personal resolution just to give you a sense of that. Uh, I want to do more yoga. Now, this is something where in 2008, I began doing yoga, and it was it was great for me. It was great for my body. It was great for my psyche, and so much so that I actually went and I got yoga teacher training in 2012, and, and I taught a little bit for about a year, uh, but I didn't, didn't keep up with that so much. I decided to hone in on my physics teaching. Unfortunately, as I moved away from from teaching yoga, I, in fact, stopped doing yoga for the most part. It came to the fact that, well, maybe I would do yoga once every week or once every couple of weeks, and then maybe once a month if I was lucky. So uh, this is something where I really want to get back into yoga practice. It is great for my body. It is great for my mental well-being. So this is a, a piece that I would really like to do. In fact, in December, I, I started uh, getting back into it quite a bit more, where I was beginning to resolve to um, continue my practice every day. And so uh, most days in December, I did at least five minutes of yoga. I said, if I can do at least five minutes, like that's my goal. And that doesn't sound like much. And I'll say there were very few days that I only did five minutes. Once I got started and I was on the yoga mat and I was... I was working, I was doing something, I was stretching, I was breathing. All of a sudden, I wanted to keep doing it. So just that that thought of just do it for five minutes, just do a little thing, puts you in the space to do a much bigger thing. I think that's what I want to look at with, with teaching this year as well. So I want to talk about teaching resolutions. So one might think that maybe summer is a better time for reflection and for a fresh start because you have two months or three months where you can kind of completely 
reinvent things. You can say, all right, I'm going to start from scratch this coming, this coming school year. I'm going to do this big thing. But I'm thinking maybe the new year is actually a better time. It's a better opportunity for immediate and long-lasting change in our teaching. So we've just completed the first half of the academic year. We've had time to see what things have been working and what things haven't been working. This year, in particular, there may be a lot of things that weren't working because we've been thrown into this new environment where we've had to do so much of our teaching online. Some folks completely online, while others are are maybe more of a hybrid mode. So we've seen a lot of things that haven't worked. We've probably begun to sink into our ruts. We can definitely get into grading ruts, into into uh, teaching ruts, lecturing ruts. There's a place where we just, we've kind of worn out a groove and now we're just going to keep doing things that way. And we could keep doing that for the next three, four, five months until the summer. And we also are probably at the point where we're tired of certain elements of the class. The, the break is short. It might only be one, maybe two weeks this year for a high school teacher. Maybe it's one month for a college teacher. So there really isn't time for a complete reinvention. And complete reinventions can be daunting. This goes back to the small change versus the the big change. If I try to say, I'm going to practice an hour and a half of yoga every single day, there's going to be a lot of days where I decide I'm not going to bother practicing yoga. I'm going to look at that and say, I can't do that. I don't have an hour and a half today. Forget it. Education reform can be sort of the same thing. We can say, well, maybe I should do this huge reinvention of my class. That's what I really want to do. But that's so hard. There's so much involved with that. And it's just going to be, yeah, daunting. We're not going to want to try it. And we're just going to maybe do nothing at all. So instead, what if we take the five-minute approach? I'm just going to do five minutes of yoga. I'm just going to do this small little step, this small little change in my classroom. And then once we do that, maybe we decide, hmm, okay, I did that. Well, I'm already on the roll. I'm already on a roll. Let me do a little bit more. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you just do that one little small change. Or maybe it leads to something more. But this, this may be the perfect time because we don't need to have that complete reinvention. We can incorporate these small changes. We can even do it on the fly. I think the students are going to be very understanding. If you say, I want to address this thing that hasn't been going as well, I think the students will, will go for that. I've, had, I've made plenty of changes uh, along the way in this based on student feedback, and they're always grateful for that. They're always appreciative that we've made these changes. They're not resistant to the fact that there's been some changes made. The old challenges are still fresh in our mind. This is why I think in the new year, this is a great time to make changes. We have a strong desire to make changes to specific things. It's fresh in our mind. These things have just been happening and we really want to see change. If we wait till the summer, that desire might wane. We may get to the end of May, the end of June, whenever your school year is done and then you just kind of collapse. You go on vacation, you do this or that. And now all of a sudden, those problems that you had before don't seem so immediate. That problem is sort of faded into the background. And it's easier to think about starting the new semester, doing some of the same things you had done before, because those old challenges aren't immediate. Right now, they're immediate. This is the time to act on them. What are my teaching resolutions this year? What am I thinking about? Well, I'm at Hamilton College, and for the past few semesters, I've been teaching only lab sections, but this coming semester, I have an opportunity to teach one lecture section of an Intro Physics for Life Sciences course, which, as you may know from hearing some of these episodes, is something I'm very excited about. So I'm teaching two labs and one lecture. I'm going to focus most of my attention on the lecture. I think that's a place where I can make 
a bigger impact, a bigger change. Uh, because the lab is inherently a lot more hands-on anyway. But I do have something. I do have something for lab I want to talk about. But I want to go into lecture resolutions. So for me personally, giving three lectures a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then a homework assignment, and then two to three big exams as sort of the the typical way to do things, it doesn't feel right for me right now. And this is this is what I see very typically in physics. This is what I experienced for the most part all through undergraduate, all through graduate school. This is what I see many, many teachers doing in physics and chemistry and biology. It's kind of the standard way of teaching science. I feel like with all that I've learned over the years and now with this current pandemic and with the changing landscape of education, I just, it doesn't feel right for me to be doing that business as usual. I feel like it's time for me to really make some changes. Now, when I was at the University of New England, I was sort of automatically in an environment where we had a studio classroom where we were doing modeling instruction for labs. And there were some big changes that were made. But now I'm back into uh, what I would call a more traditional environment. Um, we, we don't have the bandwidth at the moment to have studio classes and modeling instruction. It, it's, these, these are not set up at the moment. It's something that we could consider in the future, certainly. But we're not set up that way. So I'm, I'm in a more standard environment, and I need to find ways to, to kind of branch out and do what I know is going to be the best way for me to teach. So resolution number one, don't depend on content, but do depend on what students want to learn. I was writing my resolutions, I have three of them, and I, I found myself starting with the word don't. And that's not a great place to be for a resolution. I mean, maybe there are things I do not want to be doing anymore, but that doesn't really give me something to act on. The do gives me something to act on. So I want to say, I don't want to depend on content so much anymore. I do want to depend on what students want to learn. So this is going to de-emphasize lecture. It's going to lead to more student creation. And I have to make space for that, more projects, more places where students can teach the class, where they are going and researching information and learning themselves, and then they share that with the class. Because we know that when you go to teach something is when you learn it so much better than when you're just maybe in a sense passively learning it the first time you see it and trying to memorize it. Want to have students writing their own homework questions, students solving the problems that they find most relevant. Maybe they can be given a bank of problems and say, solve the ones that you think are the most interesting. Go for those. And then having students write their own homework questions. This was a, I believe this was a, a paper that I, I saw recently. I'll have to try to dig that up and, and put that in the, in the show notes uh, where there was some great success with students writing their own questions. Then the content coverage will now be flexible. So if I don't depend on the content itself, then I have a lot more flexibility. There's more time for sense making. There's more time for students to pursue topics that interest them. Now, my class is going to be somewhat connected to traditional labs as well. So there may be a certain bare minimum of content I need to cover in each unit. But maybe I just kind of scratch the surface just barely with certain things, enough so that the lab makes sense, but allow the students to go into much more depth in these topics that they really want to go into. Because if they are invested in a certain topic, if they are truly interested, well, that's, that's what they're going to, to try to learn more. They're going to spend more time in that class trying to learn those things because they're interested in, in them. And maybe that leads to a little bit better long-term memory, or maybe it just leads them to a greater appreciation for physics and the, the skills to look into these things 
later when they need them. I'm going to be teaching a class of primarily pre-med students. So it's actually really helpful for them to be able to think about the physics of the body, the physics of medicine. So these are ideas that if they pursue them now and they find it interesting now, that these will be things that they will now have the skills and interest to look into later when they need them in their career. So resolution one was don't depend on content, but do depend on what students want to learn. Resolution number two that I have for myself, don't grade unnecessarily, but do offer meaningful work for the students. Now, those may seem disconnected, but, but let me explain what I, what I have in mind. I've agonized over partial credit in written comments for far too many years. And I'm sure you hear yourself in there where you want to leave all of these comments for students about, you know, what, what wasn't right in that problem and agonizing over this partial credit is like, oh, how much, how much is this question worth? A lot of research shows that students don't even read these comments. They, once they get the grade, it's a done deal. Uh, I've, I've read a lot recently about how this is very true for students in writing classes where once they receive the grade, they don't really go back and look at those written comments all that much. And I suspect that this is absolutely true for exams and homeworks. Once they hand it in, they're not interested in going back and looking at it. They've moved on. They need to reflect on what went wrong. So first of all, I want to offer meaningful assignments that students will want to put effort into. So this goes back to my first resolution where we're looking at content that the students have the most interest in. So I want them to be interested in doing these assignments. Then I'm going to grade the effort and the completion of these assignments, and that's the end of the story. I'm not going to look for completely right answers. I'm going to have maybe some kind of rubric that looks for some amount of effort, some amount of you need to make sure you do this and this and this. And if you have all of that, then you're going to get full credit. And then I'm going to ask students to, to reflect on their work. I want to spend more time with metacognition. I want students to be asking themselves, what went well in an assignment? What do you think you actually really understood afterward? What didn't go so well? Why didn't it go well? And how can I improve on that? That's a big question. I want them to think about if they couldn't solve something, that they've gone out and they've looked for help. They've tried to find other ways. They've gone to a tutor. They've come to office hours. They've tried to watch more videos online. They've gone and asked questions. They've worked with fellow students. What are they doing to try to help improve on those items? What I also want to do is I want to give many small quizzes for the purpose of retrieval practice. So retrieval is something that um, I'm going to get into some of these ideas in, in future episodes. I have a great book called Make It Stick that I've, I really wanted to talk about. Maybe I'll try to reach out to the authors. Maybe I'll just, I'll just talk about it on my own. But, but retrieval, it's uh, the idea of testing often, quizzing often, trying to remember things many, many times, just when you're about to forget it, to try to be asked to recall it. That is one of the great ways to learn things. So no big exams. I don't want to do any big exams. I want to focus on these small quizzes. And, and yes, there, there I will grade for correct answers. But if you keep the quizzes small and I keep them short, the grading might be pretty quick there. And then this other meaningful work that the students want to be doing, that they are being graded for effort and completion and reflection, metacognition, going back, revisiting problems, reflecting on how things went. Just the fact that they have done all of that, I will say, you know, you get full credit there. And I would say that this is a bit more of a, of a portfolio type of approach where there is 
a certain amount of work that I'm expecting the students to do. That they assemble all of that, they find a place to to upload it, and they show me they've completed that work. That's what I'm going to be more interested in. So resolution number two was don't grade unnecessarily, but do offer meaningful work that the students want to complete. Resolution number three, do help students learn how to learn. I want to spend time talking in class about the most effective ways to learn. There is, is so much that I have been reading over the last number of years. My wife, Lena, in a number of student academic support roles over the last couple of years, and I want to bring her on a couple of episodes. I think we're going to have some great conversations. I've learned so much from her and the resources that, that she has seen and, and read and studied about the science of learning. We, we often talk about making lifelong learners. And I don't think we do that at all. We, we help students try to learn the material in front of them. We think we're doing that, but I don't think we're doing them much service at all in how to become lifelong learners. So I wanna help students learn how to learn. I wanna spend time in the first couple of weeks and then throughout the semester talking about the most effective ways to learn and to offer abundant opportunities to practice these skills. Retrieval, interleaving, relevance, which will get them into it, teaching to learn, metacognition, making corrections, all these things, these need to be requirements for the students so that they learn how to learn. That's something that they can learn from my class as well. And it's something, arguably, maybe one of the most important skills they could take out of, out of my class if I do something like that. So those are my resolutions. Number one, don't depend on content, do depend on what students want to learn. Resolution two, don't grade unnecessarily, but do offer meaningful work. And resolution number three, do help students learn how to learn. Now, I said I also have a lab resolution, so I wanna give this one as well. And I think this is a very important one for, for myself. I want to give more attention to the students that I've withheld my attention from in the past. I want to give more attention to the students I've withheld from in the past. And I can look back on every semester and there's those students who are, are vocal and are interested in the course, who are, who are always talking, who are asking questions, who I feel more comfortable talking to. Those are the ones I, I give the most attention to. And then there's those students who sit in the back of the room. They may sit quietly. They may understand it well. They might not understand it well. I don't interact with them. As much. I think there are many times that the students I'm not interacting with because maybe I don't feel as comfortable with are those students who are different from me. It's something that I, I'm sad to admit. I, I see it. I look back on different semesters and I've seen that happen. It wasn't out of malice whatsoever. I, I like to think that I'm I'm friendly and respectful to everybody, and I think I think that is true. But where I'm falling short is that I am not actively going to those students and seeing how they are doing, seeing where they are, asking what help they need. Because maybe they don't feel as comfortable coming to me because I'm different than they are. So that discomfort is maybe going both ways, but I need to be the one that reaches out. This is, this is my job to do that. This is my job to reach everybody. And that's something that I really want to work on in my labs. Uh, of course, I can do that in the regular classroom as well. But uh, in the smaller environment of labs, I think I've seen it happen that much more because there's so much more one-on-one -on -one interaction. And that's a piece that I really need to improve on. Okay, so that's the first topic I want to talk about, resolutions. 
So I'll put each of those resolutions up on my show notes. You can uh, you can take a look at those. You can ask me questions about them. Uh, maybe you'd like to share some of your resolutions that you have. Uh, you can share uh, with me via email or on the Facebook page or, or on my Twitter page. Uh, it could be nice to exchange some of these ideas and to be able to have a conversation about them. But podcasts, I want to talk about podcasts. Obviously, I'm interested in them. I'm making one. I still have so much to learn about education. And this is one of the big reasons I'm hosting a podcast, because this is a way for me to talk to thought leaders in the field, to talk to students, to learn more from them, to talk to people who are more knowledgeable about certain topics that I would like to teach in the class. And if I talk to them, then I can be more knowledgeable in my class. So that's one big reason for having this podcast. But there are many other podcasts to check out as well. And some of them I've been listening to for years. Some of them I've just found as I've been searching a little bit more as as I begin to make my own. One I've been listening to for years is the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast uh, hosted by Bonnie Stahoviak. This one, uh, I'll, I'll read some lines off the website. This is a space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. Uh, another one I discovered recently, maybe about a year ago, was the, the Ed Surge podcast hosted by uh, Jeff Young. Now, Ed Surge is a website, edsurge.com, and he also offers this, this podcast. And there's so many great episodes here. Again, more about uh, general education. Uh, I think a little more focused on college education as well. But uh, it is, it's been a great listen. I've, I tend to listen to most of the episodes that come out for that. One I discovered more recently as I started my con. Uh, podcast was the Science Modeling Talks. So this is a podcast series that introduces you to top science modeling teachers and thought leaders in a relaxed and conversational interview format. So this is a a cool little program that uh, releases an episode once a month and uh, is uh, produced and hosted by Mark Royce. His wife, Brenda, has been teaching modeling instruction for many, many years uh, and has been a workshop leader. And so he's talked to already, uh, I think he has about 15 episodes. He's already talked to many of the big names in, in modeling instruction right now. Learning about teaching physics. This one you can find on the Fizzport site. Uh, this is a, a quick four episode series that was released by Stephanie Chastain and Michael Fuchs back in 2011, 2012. And, and this is one of these that I've had, I, I listened to it. They're great short episodes and I wish this one was continuing on. Uh, this, this is a great series. Another one I discovered uh, was uh, the Physics Teaching Podcast. And this is created by Thomas and Robin. Uh, they are two physics instructors who are in the UK. And so they offer up episodes each week, and they've been running for a couple of years now. Lab Out Loud is a, one of the earliest education and science podcasts I listened to, and that one's been going on for, for many years. Uh, the Cult of Pedagogy by Jennifer Gonzalez, that's one that I uh, occasionally listen to. I think there's some great interviews and episodes there. And uh, another new one that started recently, Dead Ideas in Teaching and Learning. This one's hosted by Catherine Ross, who's the executive director of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Columbia University in New York. And this has been really cool. Uh, dead ideas being what are things that have been done in the classroom for so long that are really just, these ideas are just dead. They're worn out. We need to get rid of them uh, because uh, they're not serving our students well. So that's a list of podcasts that I currently have uh, saved on, on my phone that I'm listening to quite often. 
make some recommendations to me. Are there other podcasts, education podcasts related to physics, just related to general education that, that you like? Let me know. Shoot me a message. Send me an email. Uh, post something on one of my social media pages. I'd love to hear about it. I would love to check out some some new episodes. So let's let's share. Let's let's see what's out there to listen to. As a final note, uh, the it's January, so the winter AAPT meeting is coming up. So uh, American Association of Physics Teachers Winter 2021 meeting, uh, which is going to be held completely virtually this year. I'm going to be giving two presentations. One is a contributed presentation about the Physics Alive podcast. So that's one that you could listen to. Uh, I've already recorded and uploaded a the video for that and that's posted on YouTube. So I'll, I've provided a link in the show notes to find that. Uh, the other talk I'm giving is an invited talk for one of the Intro Physics for Life Sciences sessions. And in that one, I go into a little bit more detail about my planning process for the current semester. So some of these resolutions that I've talked about in this episode, I've already begun planning those ideas into my syllabus, into my rubrics for the course. So that information might be interesting to you. You might want to see what I have intended for the semester, what things I'm going to give a try. And it could be a good conversation piece. Uh, if you want to check those out and you want to ask questions, you want to share some of your ideas, things that you've tried, things that have worked, things that haven't worked, I'd love to hear about that. So uh, both of those I'm going to, I'll put the links up to in the show notes for the, the YouTube uh, videos that I've put up and um, hoping to, to put up a few links to a few of the documents that I have associated with that. Okay, so I think that does it for, for this episode. Happy New Year. Welcome to the year 2021. May you find an opportunity to create some resolutions to, to help improve your life in education and to improve your students' lives. And I hope you check out some of these other podcasts. Give them a listen. See, see what you think. Maybe you'll find some new favorites in there and share some of those ideas with me as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find the show notes for this episode either by scrolling down on your phone or you can head on over to physicsalive.com slash 2021. Again, that's physicsalive.com slash 2021, or you can just go to the episodes page and you'll find it there. While you're on the website, you should subscribe to the Physics Alive newsletter so you can stay up to date about current episodes, future projects, and all that good stuff. You can find me at Physics Alive on Twitter, and you can also check out the Facebook Physics Alive page or YouTube Physics Alive channel. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star rating. It takes just a few seconds, but it will help future listeners find the show. Thanks again for listening in, and I hope you've been inspired to try something new. Your homework assignment? It's a two-parter. Make one teaching resolution for the new year, and check out one of the podcasts I mentioned. Please join me again for the next episode of Physics Alive. Until then, best wishes for the new year, and be well. Be well. We will.